On this long weekend, sunny Sunday, I uh, just uh, see you. met a bunch of people already that I've not met before. If I've not had a chance to meet you, my name is Shane, and my wife and I have just an amazing privilege of serving as lead pastors. And would you welcome to the stage John and Megan Castillo? Come on, guys. And I've asked them to help me out a little bit because next week, May 26, is our, our groups, our small groups launch for a new season. It's our short six-week season that hits before the summer. And so really, it's a great opportunity if you've never been a part of a group before to check it out. It's the shortest window. And, and you say, well, like, you, you can do six weeks, right? Like, you can do. And for, I'm running a bi-weekly group. We're going to meet three times. And so I've actually said, I've said to the guys that are coming out to my group, I'm like, you're coming every time. You know that? It's like, you can't miss. You can't, you can't do it. So anyways, but that's, that's a lot of pressure. On people. What I wanted to do with you guys is, is to just hear a bit of your story because I know that uh, your, your journey looks like probably where a lot of people are at today, which is either new to church or coming back to church. And tell me how you connected with Resonate and then how you got into a group. Uh, yeah, it started uh, last year, August. Um, we were friends with uh, Joe and Sam Kendrick and we ran into them in Port Moody and uh, we were in a little bit of a stage where we were looking for a home church and uh, they talked to Resonate way up and we're okay. like what's this all yeah, about like, yeah i gotta see it for myself and we gave it a chance and here we are okay so good now you got in the door and um i presume that that first week went good and and what then did next steps look like like how did you actually get invited or into a small group then um so we actually got introduced by a friend to troy and rachel sitting in the front here and uh, they were running a small group, so we got introduced to them when it started. And uh, normally we're both pretty shy, but we got encouraged to join. And um, we just thought, you know what, let's step out and give it a shot. That's awesome. So uh, a, a personal invitation was helpful for you guys, the good connection there. Um, so now you're in a group, you got connected in. And next week, by the way, just what it's going to look like, we do what's called our small group rally, which will be all of our small groups somewhere between 25 and 40 groups will be registered. We're still getting registrations in. So uh, if you've done our training and you're still wanting to run a small group, it's not too late. You can let us let us know. Message the church at connect at weareresonate.ca. We can get you plugged in going this semester. Now, uh, everyone's going to be out at the lobby with tables, and they're going to be trying to draw you in. They'll try and entice you with food. Some will bring food. Some will just dress up like they're like, you know, whatever. They'll just be trying to bring people in. And that's really the aim is to help you make a connection, maybe with some people you haven't connected with before. So tell us then, once you're in a group, how was that life-changing for you? What, what, how did it impact you? Well, what was big for us is that we were always searching for a community that would have our back. And so right after the first session, we were let known that we're family. Yeah. You know, we're a team and we got you guys back. And then right away, it was just encouragement, encouragement, encouragement that, wow. you know, it's something we've always wanted. We almost thought it didn't exist in wow. the church. And right. so we've never felt so protected by such a good group of people. And uh, through that, it's just encouraged us to 
step out and the same love that we're receiving we're just trying to share with everyone and so amazing if i can do it like you guys can totally yeah totally totally totally. that's so good all right how about for you megan what was life changing for you um so we'd never really been in a group of people that we could be really open and vulnerable um as well as have fun and troy and rachel they made it a safe place and we felt immediately at home um, they said we were family, we could share the highs and the lows. Yeah. Um, they also just made a space for us to be vulnerable when we needed to be, and that was something that we had to learn how to do, and so happy that we did. Um, they called out the leader in us and yeah. just made us grow massively in the last few months. So That's so great. I love to hear that kind of like the the combination of reality, vulnerability, and fun. I think that's important. If you do just all one and not the other, uh, I think you need both in your life. And what I, um, one of the things that we had, our, we had a group leader training, or not a group leader training, just um, ministry leader training at our house this last week. We had about 32 of our ministry leaders over. And we talked about this, we, this is something we talk about with our leaders, is there's a big difference between how's it going and how are you doing, right? And I think we all know that we need how you doing, but we're just wondering if it would actually, is it, I like what you said, like, you know we need this, but is it actually safe? Like, you know you need someone to look behind the mask. We all know that we need and want that, but to, to, to be able to reveal to someone what's really going on in your life, but is it safe? And that's our heartbeat, that you would find that not just people that would say, hey, let's do life together, but people that when you start to do life together, that you find that they're there with you, and they show up in the journey, and there is that sense of connection. So uh, now... Um, talk about what's next for you guys with small groups. So you've been in a part of an amazing small group. What's next for you? Yeah, so a lot of uh, what we like to teach each other is just to be loved, known, and challenged. And so once we were known, they loved us, and then we knew we were loved. And then now the challenge part is you know, we're going to start a small group. Hey, oh, so, yeah. Uh, with so the help good. of Andy also, not just us, but yeah. little early promo. That's so great. That's so amazing. <laughs> you go from never really doing this before to experiencing such a significant change in your life and having someone call out the goal that's already inside you. It was already in you. It wasn't that you, like it was, they just, someone noticed it and called it out. And now you guys go and, and um, uh, you said in the last service that you're going to be running a small group with Andrew and Jamie Bird as well. So that's just, just put that one out there. That's going to be, that's going to be fire. It's going to be straight dope. It's going to be really good. Uh, so um, Megan, why don't you kind of close us off just talking, what would be the encouragement you would give to someone here that's thinking, I might want to be interested or I might check it out? What would, what would be your kind of like your final encouragement for people for next week? Um, definitely don't uh, think about it. Just do it. It's, it's, <laughs> it's just a no-brainer. Yeah, just it's a just, good way to go through we, life right there. We grew there. so much. I just can't thank uh, Troy and Rachel enough for leading us, encouraging yeah. us, um, helping us celebrate things, heal through things, and also become um, leaders that we didn't really know were even in us. So yeah. thank you. That's amazing. Hey, can we get up for these guys? So great. That's good, man. And can you just keep that going for Megan leading a song for the first time this morning? Uh, as Pastor Troy said, we are, we're diving into week four of this uh, Double Tap series, Real Love in a Selfie World. And we've talked throughout the series about a number of different topics. We started with singleness, then we talked about dating, then we talked about parenting. And all of those sound like they're messages for just a small segment of the population of our community. But really, we've tried to design every week to be helpful for you and to speak 
to everybody in the room that God has a message for you today, whether you're single, dating, engaged, married, divorced, remarried, widowed, parent, not a parent. Wherever you're at in the room today, I believe God's got a word for you. And today I want to speak a message actually on parenting. And some of you might think, oh my goodness, I am not a parent. I don't know if I ever will be. Don't know if I ever want to be. Might, I might have already uh, just might have had to walk through some infertility or challenges. Like where will this message land? Can I just say this is a message for the whole room and here's why. If you have ever fallen down in your relationship with God and wonder how God would respond to you when you were at your weakest, this is a message for you. If you have ever, um, if you've ever needed to reach something that was a little bit before farther than you could reach and you needed some help, this is a message for you. If, you. if you've ever wondered how God reacts to you when life feels messed up, well, this is going to be a window into God's love for you. And we're going to dive in together. I want to say right off the top as well that Rachel and I are by no means parenting experts. You can, uh, I could give you numerous examples of that being the case, and they could be from as recent as the last three hours. But uh, <laughs> Nevertheless, I do feel like I have a word from God for us as a church on how God has called us to lead in our homes as parents, as aunties, as uncles, as spiritual moms and dads. And really, it just flows out of the gospel and, and out of God's word. Well, there's a story I want to start with this morning. And there was a, 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 I heard this recently. A man was walking through a grocery store and his son was just losing his mind, crying, just going crazy. We've, if, you've, if you're a parent, you've been there before, right? The crying kid in the grocery cart as you're making your way through. Costco. We've been there. In fact, we've had to call the ambulance to come get the kid that fell out of the car. We've been there before. Oh my. As I said, we could tell some stories. Anyways, so this little guy is screaming in the cart and the dad is just calmly saying, it's okay, Mikey. It's okay, Mikey. Calm down, Mikey. Don't cry, Mikey. Stay calm, Mikey. You're going to get through it, Mikey. It's okay, Mikey. Well, this, this woman in the grocery store, she sees this dad being so gentle. And she walks over. She says, I just, sir, I just want to tell you, I am so impressed that you are being so calm with little Mikey in the midst of all he's going through. You're just there for little Mikey. And he said, ma'am, I'm Mikey. (laughs) Come on, any Mikey's in the room today? Well, we're going to go to God's Word together, and Rachel and I say that we want to have three rules for, for our family and our household, and, and we want to keep life simple. We're going to dive in beneath the surface of these things, but here, here it is on the surface, how, how we want to raise our kids. Number one, to love God, to love themselves, and to love other people. And if you've been here throughout the series, you'll know that that's very much what we talked about in week number one. We talked actually about singleness, and we talked about the kind of people we should be in, both in singleness and looking for, but today's different. The Obviously, the perspective shifts with those same three things in the parenting space. We read from Matthew's gospel where this idea comes from of loving God, loving yourself, and loving others, where Jesus was asked a law question. He flipped it on its head, and he gave a love answer. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And then the second greatest commandment is like it. It's to love your neighbor as as yourself. And so what I want to do is I want to walk through each of these things, love God, love yourself, and love others. And I want to actually flip the order. I want to start with love others. How do we, in a selfie world, get our kids to love some other people? Well, how many would say you know what it's like where life as a parent sometimes just feels like constant behavior modification? Like right now, if our kids are, uh, if, they're, if Rachel and I are both parenting, we're both on, it's a day off, you know, that we're both with them. We can, we can do pretty good. We can keep things pretty, like they almost are like Disney princesses when we're both engaged and right there. But when, 
when it's only one of us with the three kids, they're five, three, and zero. When it's only one of us with them and we get more than 10 feet away, all of a sudden, all chaos breaks. It's just hard to keep the train on the tracks, that the, whether it's the screaming or the yelling or the taking or whatever it is. It's, it's how do we now change this behavior? Behavior modification. Sometimes it feels like all you're doing as a parent, stop it. Don't climb that. Don't do that. Don't, don't touch that. That's just what it feels like. Well, there's two models for how we change behavior. Two large uh, ways that you can approach behavior change. And the first is the punishment model. And the punishment model says, if you do something that I don't want you to do, I'm going to do something you don't want me to do. That's the punishment model. And then there is a second model. This one is known as the attachment model. And if you read about parenting these days, there's a lot of books being written about this in kind of broad strokes. What it, what it, it sounds like is this, is if you're doing something I don't want you to do, I'm going to come alongside you, find out what the matter is, find out what you're thinking. Then out of that place of connection, I'm going to try and redirect your behavior towards something else. Well, the Bible actually is split into two different sections. There's the Old Testament, New Testament, really Uh, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And the Old Covenant was the punishment model. If you do something against God and against God's law, you can expect something to go wrong in, in your life. You can expect to have to at least make a sacrifice to try and make things better. And you just don't want to be on the wrong side of God because the Old Testament, the Old Covenant was a punishment model. If something goes off the rails, you've got to do something to try and get it back on the rails. Well, the New Covenant, that's not our covenant. The New Covenant is our covenant. And this is what the Bible says about the New Covenant. It says, and you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world. But God, being rich in, say this with me, mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up, watch these next two words, with him. And seated us, come on, say it with me, with him. Well, you obviously can't raise someone up unless you're standing right next to them. You can't sit with someone unless you first go near to where they are. And this is the definition of attachment. Where did God go when we needed to be raised up and when he wanted us to, to be seated with him? Where, what place were we in? We were in the place of our sins and our trespasses. That's when God came near. The definition of attachment, that when we needed a new direction, God first came near. And then what happened out of that? For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. And then verse 10 shows how out of connection we begin to change. Once God came alongside you, what happened? We start doing the good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Connection led to a new way of walking. How Jesus represents this to us is how, how we actually learn how to parent well. And you might think, well, Pastor Shane, Jesus wasn't a parent. How can we learn parenting from Jesus? Well, Jesus, several times throughout the Gospels, is showing us how he approached wanting to change behavior. Whether it's the example of Zacchaeus or an unnamed woman by a well or or the woman who is caught in adultery. Jesus many times is coming across someone who he's wanting to lead to a behavior change. And what I want us to do together today is I want us to walk through one of these stories, the story of Zacchaeus, and see how Jesus goes about bringing about a behavioral change. And I want to say before we get into this story, 
that I, I just have a, a difficult time with two names in the Bible. Zacchaeus and Lazarus go together somehow in the wiring of my brain. And so in the next few moments, if I start talking about Lazarus, I'm not, ta- I'm not going off to a different story. I'm still talking about Z, okay? This is still Zacchaeus. This is, this is the story of, of Zacchaeus. Well, Zacchaeus is just like your kids when they're not behaving themselves. Zacchaeus was a bully. Zacchaeus took things that didn't belong to him. Zacchaeus did not want to share. Zacchaeus climbed on stuff he should not have climbed on. Zacchaeus is just like your kids when they're at their worst behavior. Well, what does Jesus do? Jesus comes alongside Zacchaeus and, and he says, hey, Zacchaeus up in that tree, hurry and come down for I'm going to, I want to stay at your house today. The people who are watching this, they they think, well, that's not going to work. In fact, they criticize Jesus. They say, he's gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. You see, all they had known to this point was the punishment model. It's all they'd ever been taught. So Jesus, if you want, if you want Zacchaeus to change his behavior, you've got to tell him to stop doing what he's doing. If you, want him to, if you want him to change his behavior, you've got to threaten him with some sort of punishment. Jesus, you don't take him to Cactus Club. Jesus, Jesus approaches Zacchaeus and actually begins by sitting down with him. Isn't it interesting how similar that sounds to what the Apostle Paul has just told us is the gospel, is the starting point of the gospel. So here's a, here's a question for you. What would it do for your faith if you began to believe that when you're at your worst, God wants to raise you up with him? What would it begin to do to your faith if you believed that when you fell down, God didn't look at you and shout, get back up, but he actually came near to you and seated you with him? What would it do to your faith the next time you felt far from God if you could have a picture of the way Jesus approached Zacchaeus? Well, here's what happens. After lunch with Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus stands up and he says, I'm going to give away half of all that I have. And then if I've taken away something from someone that didn't belong to me, I'm going to return it fourfold. So Zacchaeus has a major behavior change in his life. In fact, this is one of the preeminent examples in the New Testament, in the Gospels, of Jesus changing someone's behavior in a radical way in a moment. And yet, don't you find it interesting that the only thing the Bible tells us that Jesus said is, hey, Zacchaeus, I want to spend some time and sit with you. In one of the preeminent examples of behavior change, don't you find it something somewhat strange that Jesus doesn't let us into what he said to ask for a new behavior? I'm not suggesting he didn't tell Zacchaeus to change his behavior. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Jesus saying there was boundaries or something should change. I'm simply saying that when God wanted to show us how to change behavior, he actually edited that part out so that you could focus on a part that we actually miss and have a hard time with. The starting point being you need to connect with somebody. So how does this look in our parenting? I want to read from a book that's uh, written by one of the uh, expert parenting authors, if you will, in the, in the world today. His name's Daniel Siegel, and he's a, a neuroscientist, and he writes this book alongside someone uh, named Tina Payne Bryson. She's a PhD. They're, 
they, they study the brain and they study behavior and they write a lot of books around parenting that are, that are bestsellers. You could see uh, all their books uh, really listed on bestseller lists. A lot of people read these in parenting world. Now, I've read most of his books and from what I can read, he is not a Christian. Now, however, what I want you to notice as I read this, how much this sounds exactly like what the Bible just said. Watch this. He says, remember to connect. It really is possible to be calm, loving, and nurturing while disciplining your child, and it's so effective. Don't underestimate how powerful a kind tone of voice can be as you initiate a conversation about the behavior you're wanting to change. As you've heard us affirm throughout the book, kids need boundaries even when they're upset. So nothing wrong with boundaries. You've heard us say this, but he's saying focus first with connection. And then he says, here's what it could look like. I love these little examples. They help me out. He says, you might say, I know you really want another ice pop, but I'm not going to change my mind. It's okay to cry and be sad and disappointed, though, and I'll be right here to comfort you while you're sad. So when it's time to discipline, keep calm and connect. Then you can turn to your redirection strategies. To me, one of the greatest proofs of the gospel is that 2,000 years after Jesus showed up and changed the model, someone who's studying the brain sits down and writes a book and knows nothing about the Bible or God and says, hey, you know how you're wired to actually change some behaviors? The exact same way Jesus approached Zacchaeus. The exact same way Jesus approached a woman at a well. The exact same way Jesus approached a woman who was caught in adultery. And those of us who know the gospel, shouldn't we just stand back and be like, no kidding, duh. It's good that science is catching up with the gospel 2,000 years later. How do, we, how do we teach our kids to love somebody else? How do we change behavior in a, selfie, in a selfish-oriented world? Well, it starts with connection. And then some redirection. What's the second thing in this reverse order walkthrough? Love God, love yourself, and love others. No matter which way you go, the middle one's always the same. It's always going to be love yourself. And so let's dive in there. The second rule I think that we could ha- need to have in all of our homes is love yourself. And we hit this really well in week number one. So I'll just simply repeat a little bit of what we said there. We said this uh, from Jesus saying, love others as yourselves, that those as yourselves word really matter. Because the only way that you can effectively love somebody else is if you have first learned how to love you. You can't love someone beyond how much you've already just loved you. You just won't have it to give away. And so what do we do with this? Well, we can't simply just say, I'm going to love myself a little bit more. That, that fails. We're not able to do that. Why? Because we know how much of a mess we are on the inside. It's hard for me to just say, I love me. So the way I love me is actually to open my heart to the perfect love of my heavenly father. He can love me in spite of my imperfections and through them and move me through it. So that's actually how you love yourself is to open your heart to the father's love. Now let's talk about how we do this in parenting. What does it look like to help teach your kids to love themselves? And here's the reality. How you view you matters more than how you tell your kids to view themselves. I'll say it again. How you view you is going to matter more to them than how you tell them to view themselves. Let me give a couple of examples. Uh, Picture a child growing up in a home where as they're drawing their parents, maybe their teachers are constantly saying, you're doing such a great job, Tommy. Nevertheless, Tommy grows up to not really appreciate his own drawing. And the parents and teachers say, why does Tommy not believe in himself? 
Well, could it be that every time mom and dad sat down to write and draw next to Tommy, they would draw something out and, and they would look at their own drawing and say, I'm sorry, Tommy, mommy and daddy just really don't know how to draw very well. What you think of yourself, parents, matters more than the words you say to your kids about how they think about themselves. Like if you're walking through, let's say your child is walking through the kitchen, they're holding a plate and they trip over something and they drop the plate and it falls and crashes on the floor. And you know it was an accident. They didn't mean to do it. They tripped on something. And so you say to them, oh, it's okay, honey. I know it was an accident. But if you're walking along, you trip over something, you break a plate. Come on. How many people would be like, oh, Shane, that was stupid. What do you think is going to impact them more? Uh, let me illustrate this. I wanted to, I wanted to make this fun and illustrate this because I, I just felt like drawing in church today. So you just got to give, uh, give me a moment. I want to, uh, I want to draw a picture. Uh, Abby and Alencia, Wyland can't talk it. So let's say Abby and Alencia, they asked me to draw a picture of a cat. Um, hang on, whiskers. It's going to help. Little tail. Okay. There you go. <laughs> now, I look at this and I think, yeah, exactly. What a nice mouse I just drew, you know? This is what we think. But what if instead of that, I was to look at this, and I'm hanging out with the girls, and what if I was to look at this and be like, oh, that kitty's pretty awesome, isn't it? <laughs> kitty's got some game. This kitty's going to play. This kitty could probably fly. I mean, that kitty is pretty sweet, right? You know, the reason we don't do this is we don't want to raise kids that struggle with pride. You know what I've discovered as I read my Bible is most people who struggle with pride are masking insecurity. What if we were a community where our kids could watch us actually believe God had called us to change the world? What if we were a community where all the kids down in our kids could hear us speak about ourselves as if God wanted to use us to do something great? What if all those kids down there began to watch as we stepped into the calling of God and stopped staying small and staying behind the scenes? And I'm not saying that everybody needs a platform. It's about God's platform. This is not about building our own kingdom, about building our platform. Listen, can I be honest with you? The more closer you walk with the Lord, the less you'll care about people noticing you with what you're doing for the Lord. Remember, I mean that with all my heart. Like if God called me to walk away from ever being up on a platform top, I can honestly tell you in my walk with Jesus, I would just do it. If, if I could serve the Lord better somewhere else, I'm there. Honestly, I, just, I would. Why? It's not, it's not, it's not, I just want to, I want to step into as much that God has for me as I possibly know that I could. And I want my kids to believe that they could do more than they ever saw me do. Well, I think, I think in this reverse order, it's just we're going to love some other people. We're going to teach our kids to love on some other people. We're going to do our best to try and change behavior out of connection. And we're going to teach them to love themselves, not just with like just thinking that they're the greatest all the time, but to say, hey, you know how, just receive the Father's love. Well, then we get to this final thought, which is how do we have and develop love for God within our homes? How do we watch our kids grow in trust and dependency on God? And I want to say this, of course, in a room this size with this many people in the room, I know there are parents here and, and you're here and your kids aren't serving God. 
And I want to be sensitive to that, but I also want to then remind us all of the encouraging ground rule of this series, that not to look at this through the lens of the past and think I should have or I could have, but to look at it from today and say, come on, what can I do in faith? How could I move forward? What would it look like? And we're praying for you. I had a chance, I talked to a, a mom after the first service who came to me and said, that's exactly where I'm at today. And I, I can only imagine the pain that that would feel like, but come on, let's walk out of here built up that you've got a next step and something you can speak and a way of connecting like never before. So how do, we, how do we then teach our kids to love God? Well, here's what God did when you had, when you had kids. And if you're a parent in the room, here's what God did. God gave you a, an infant that could do nothing for themselves. You know this. They couldn't hold up their heads. They couldn't talk. They couldn't eat. They literally could do nothing. For, they can't even sleep. Like they could do nothing in their entire world. They just, nothing. They were fully dependent on you. I believe God did it that way for a reason, so that we would understand that the number one responsibility that we have as parents is to transfer that dependence that started out 100% on us and eventually move all of it back onto God. And what that means is that the, the greatest goal you have as a parent is not that they would make that team. You can coach them and we're going to do our best, but that's not, the, that's not the aim. The aim is not that they'd get into that school. The aim is not even that they would marry the person that you want them to marry. I mean, by the time my kids get to 21 or 25 or 30 or whatever age they are when they get married, oh God, I don't want to think about that right now, but... By the time they get there, I probably shouldn't even care that much about how much they're listening to me because my responsibility now is to get them not to listen to my voice when they're 35 years old, but to get them to be fully dependent and trusting on God when they're 35 years old. My responsibility in little increments every single day is to say, yes, I've got all the weight now, but gradually, daily, every single day, I'm going to transfer. God trusted you with all of it so that you could give it all back. So how do we do it? I, I can only speak from my example from having the, you know, three, uh, five, three, and zero as the age and stage our kids are in right now. And I can't really help you out with too much with zero. Zero is like you got all of it. So <laughs> there's not a lot of transferring that's going on at zero other than maybe in a worship service. You're like, you know, like lifting their hands for them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you hit a chorus, you raise their hands. It's like, it's how you do but at five and, and three, what does it look like for us in our home? And I said this before, it looks like we're going to constantly be doing gratitude every single day. So get to the end of the day and we'll go and we'll read a bit of Bible. And by the way, if you don't have a Bible for your kids, go ahead, head to check in today after the service. We got Bibles for 15 bucks. Kids Bibles, they're great. It's the, one of the ones that we use with our kids. It's, it's a really good one. And um, that's our cost. So you can pick that up today if you don't have that. But then, then what we'll do is I'll say, what are you thankful for today? What you're grateful for, and 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 just every day. What my role in it is once they say what they're grateful for, I then try and reframe that as something that God did for them, right? And we all get to the end of a day, like, and we end up like Asaph in Psalm 77. He's the author of Psalm 77. He says, "Has God forgotten to be gracious?" Like that's sometimes us at the end of the day, right? Like, oh, work was stressful, and nobody noticed me, and. Food was just a tough day, and has God in his anger shut up his compassion? Well, what does Asaph do in verse 11 to kind of press through that place? He says, I'm going to remember the deeds of the Lord. Yeah, I'm going to remember your wonders of old. I'm just going to put myself into a posture of gratitude. So come on, parents, as we just ask, what are you grateful for today? Just, okay, 
Here's how, I, here's how that was God. Here's what God's doing. And it, whenever it's my turn, I'm going I'm to reflect something that's gospel, just, just God's love, God's connection. I'm so thankful that God, even when I'm struggling, God comes alongside me and, and says, come here, sit, sit, sit close to me. So raise me up. Well, that's the younger ages. Now, for those of you who have some older kids, I don't have a lot for you, but some friends of mine do, and I phoned a few of them up and asked if they could help me out. How do you help transfer the dependency off of you and onto your older kids onto God? Well, one of my friends, he's the more like accountant type, like he's just like really punctual. And, uh, and so he said this, and uh, if those, for those of you who are quite disciplined in the room, you might latch on to this. The rest of us might just want to punch this guy. But anyway, so he said, he said, every day I'm up at five, I wake my kids up at six. By 6.15, we're all at the table talking about what God's doing in our lives. Oh, okay. That's great. <laughs> it's good for give you and your household. You shall praise the Lord. That's, that's wonderful. See, maybe this is how it gets when they get a little bit older. Maybe this is, it'll be that easy. Uh, but I have, I have another friend. Actually, this, that, that friend right there, he said also we have like a, a Bible verse for every letter of the alphabet. And we're just constantly rotating through just with scripture memorization. So if I, say, if I call out A, then the kids are like, uh, all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. And B, it's like, I don't know what, you know, it's just that I'm like, okay, I'm going to hang up this call and call somebody else that I can. <laughs> Thanks for the Zoom, man. Bye. All right. Uh, I asked another friend, and uh, he said this. He said, once a week, they gather together in the living room, all his family with his older kids, teenage, and I think into their early 20s, and, um, and they just go around the room and say, what's going on? In, two things. What's going on in your world, and how can we pray for you? And I love this idea he had, which is that he doesn't tell anyone who they're going to pray for until everyone's talked. That way, he makes sure that everybody was listening. Come on, that's a great idea. But these are just some practical ways that I think that we can Live out this idea that as a parent, your primary responsibility is to transfer the dependence off of you and back onto God. Maybe you're not a parent today. How do you apply this? Maybe just setting a reminder, an alert in your phone for a half hour before you go to bed tonight to just spend a moment journaling or thinking about what God did in your day today that was awesome. And just pausing to notice. It's going to begin to raise up trust in your life because you're going to notice a whole lot more that God did. And then when you hit that difficult time where it seems like God's not with you, it hasn't been 26 days since you thought of something God did. No, daily you're reminding yourself God is in my world and moving in my life. But maybe for you today, this is not a parenting message at all. Maybe across this room, there are people and this message was designed for you to reshape your image of God. Because you've grown up thinking of the punishment model and you thought that was your covenant. You thought that was the way God worked with you. I better be good or God's going to do something bad to me. And he's come today, not through my words or my ability to even communicate it to you, but through the gospel, through the Bible. He said, here is my ultimate purpose for you, that while you were in sin, while you were in a way, I did, I did want to get you out of it. I didn't want to leave you there. I didn't want to not put a boundary and say, this would be better for you. No, I wanted to do those things. But when I wanted to change those things, here's what I did. I, I raised you up. I didn't look at where you were and yell, get up. Actually came and got down to your level and seated you with me. 
And so next time you're stuck at your worst, what if you were to begin to believe that God in that moment is not moving away from you, he's moving towards you? Because I've seen too many Christians, too many people who want to live life for God, but then they mess up and they think that they need to create some distance between them and God, figure it out before they come back to God. The problem is so many of us get to that distant place and then just walk further away which is why the gospel is what the gospel is. When you're at your worst, God is coming close. He, yes, he wants to change you. No, he doesn't want to leave you stuck in sin and trespass and stuff that's going to mess your life up. Yeah, he wants to redirect you. He's just going to start with connection. He's there. He's with you. He's not abandoned you. Come on, let go of the punishment model today. God, this was not to teach you how to parent as much as it was to reshape your view of the one who's going to get you to reach higher. The one who's going to get you to believe in the call of God on your life. This was a redirection in our view of God. So God, I thank you. I thank you, God, that all over the room right now, God, your Holy Spirit is here to take the simplicity of my words and to actually apply them to hearts in meaningful ways, God, before we're going to be able to parent better or parent different, God, that we need to receive this from you. God, I pray for the parent that's just feeling like they've messed up or they've, they felt like, man, I just, I've been, I've been living an old model and it's not been working out for me. God, I just pray, Lord, for fresh grace upon their home, God, encouragement, Lord, strength. Come on, if your kids went to bed last night with food and a bed and with a hug from you, come on, parent, you're doing a great job. Come on, so give yourself some encouragement. We serve a life-giving God. Come on, he changes you from connection. And so, Father, for any of us who would wrestle with this because of the way we were disciplined or the way we've always viewed you or through thinking that the old covenant was our covenant and not seeing how Jesus consistently and repeatedly approached people. God, may we reshape our understanding of the gospel because God, you've called us to do a great work in this city and in this nation and in the world and we do not want to miss a moment. Get us ready. Maybe you're in the room today and you, you don't have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And you, just what I've heard today, you said, I, I can't even believe that God would do that for me. That when I was at my worst, he was at his best and he was sending Jesus to take the price of my sins. Yes, there was a cost, but he took it, he paid it so he could raise you up. And you're here in the room today. And by faith, you need to believe that story to begin to rewrite your story. So if you're in the room today and you say, yeah, I want to make a faith decision today, either for the very first time or a recommitment of your life to Christ because you know that you're far from God. Today, would you just raise your hand up and I'm not going to embarrass you or center you out in any way. This is just between you and God. And in a moment, I'm simply going to pray a prayer for all of us. But you'd say, yeah, include me in that closing prayer, Pastor. I don't want to miss this moment. Would you include me today? Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Let's give him one more moment as God speaks to hearts across the room. It's between you and God. Oh, thank you, God. Well, let's pray together. Come on, resonate with anyone who's raised their hands today. Let's all pray this together. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today in faith. And I receive your love and your forgiveness as I believe that you died and rose again 
to set me free. Thank you for raising me up, seating me with you. Help me follow you. Speak to me about those things you want to change because I'm yours in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church, can we put our hands together for those who made that decision in the house today?